In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Welcome in to episode four of the Gospel Friends. I am David. I'm Chase. I am Nick, and this is the third time we've tried to do this. Yeah, but they've all been good. They've been Bloopers. fun. Hey, we're glad to have you in. We'd love to tell you how you can get in touch with us if you'd like. You can reach out to us on the Twitter at My Gospel Friends, at My Gospel Friends. We actually have added a Facebook page for the show, and that is also Facebook.com slash The Gospel Friends. We have a shaking head co-host. Uh I don't understand why we're. You know, have. David's mad oh, that we have two go. pages. Gracious. Let it go. It doesn't now make everybody sense. knows. It doesn't make sense to me that we have multiple in the words pages. of Disney. Let it go. And so we also let have a go. group on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you can. It's a catchy song. I'm sorry. If you want, it's, it's a very along. catchy song. If you want to get a hold of David, go to the group. Go to the group because I'm right. against the page. I understand, <laughs> but Twitter's your thing, so just let it go. Well, let it go. It was my thing. Let it go. Let it go. All right. And so if you want to correspond with us where we're going to kind of post feedback and have discussions, reach out to us on the Hall of Dogma. That is Facebook.com slash groups slash Hall of Dogma. And we always have the good old-fashioned email at thegospelfriends at gmail.com or Google Voice set up where you can leave us a voicemail at 205-575-9735. Awesome. I want to thank Sean Lombard. You heard his music there at the beginning. The uh, cut is Won't Go Till You Bless Me from his album, Rare Bird. Do we still say album in this day of CDs? Is that uh, an, uh, a conglomeration of MP3 tracks his digital one download. time by an artist is still considered an album? Okay, good, good. So Rare Bird, check it out there. Or you can go to his website, seanlombard.com. Album is hard to spell, by the way. You ever notice that? It is. A-L-B-U-M, I think. But you would actually try to things called phonics, David. Owl. Hey, I didn't learn Bum. to read by phonics, and I, I like the other way, I'll whatever bomb. it is. Always yeah. put an the non-phonics way. There's a lot of emphasis on phonics. I just had an amazing, like, really large case of, uh, what do you call that? The hives? No. <laughs> <laughs> What's that where you, you this has happened before? Like, deja, deja vu. vu. Yes, like yeah. it, was that, it was bad. That's good. weird. Wow. Well, I mean, not That good. means there's a glitch in the matrix. If Chase blows up They've in just a moment. something. Right. Then Wait a minute. I don't want to blow up in just a moment. I have kids. So what's on tap today, guys? Like Samuel and Carpool. Um, David, what's on tap for you? Hey, last week we didn't get to my story because you guys took so long on your stories. So this no, week... we didn't get to your story because Nick and I are awesome. I like that idea. That's much better. Everything is awesome except for you and Nick. That's hey, another movie. Hey, everything Sorry. is awesome. Lego movie. Yeah, We're going to talk this week about like whether or not... This weekend, dude. Six times. Whether or not... Uh, fairy tales, belief in fairy tales, and a child's uh, encouraging a child's imagination will help or hurt their belief in God. So, There's no way that story is going to offend anybody listening. Nah, what could possibly go wrong? At all. None. Hey, well, so Nick, that's what I'm we bringing. We shy away what from the table. What are we going to talk about for you, Nick? I, you know, I wanted to kind of um, dive into a little bit of church background on us all in a um, couple of different conversations today. this week have led me to kind of go... Well, why why do I do or kind of appreciate or shy away from things in church um, currently for my family and the things we do? And so I wanted to kind of pick you guys' brains about that as well. 
That sounds good. As for me, I'm going to lead us in a uh, game of Take It or Leave It, the ever-evolving game with new <laughs> rules this week Great. that I think will make for another uh, interesting show, I hope. And we're also, if we get around to it, we're going to talk about the lead singer singer of As I Lay Dying, uh, who was uh, convicted of uh, planning a murder, if I'm... Uh, not terribly mistaken, who claims to be an atheist. Now, the interesting thing about that is As I Lay Dying was a Christian group, and said atheist lead singer says that 90% of those other Christian groups are also led by atheists, which would be a bit of a shocker if true. So to uh, start off today, guys, we have a little segment. I'm Right now I'm calling, oh, no, you didn't. I don't actually know that I like that. Well, you didn't want to use uh, something about drunk because you thought that was a little too edgy, right? Man, we're really going uh, fourth wall here, right? Kind of breaking, breaking the, the fourth. Yeah, breaking, sorry. You know, bring the people in, David. Bring yeah, I, look, I don't know. I, I, you don't want to glorify You guys are okay with it. You guys are okay with it. Y'all like apparently don't mind being drunk, but I I just wonder. I don't if, mind being edgy for There's a couple of reasons. We've, of been, say, we've been saying, you know, are you drunk? But number one, I don't glorify a sin. But number two... You know, I, I don't want to apply a sin to someone. Like this week, I would not actually want to apply that title to, to this individual in this article. So I understand. I'm I going that, with makes, a, that makes that good makes sense. sense. Yeah, because, like, I mean— Don't encourage is, him to make good I'm sense. Sorry. Okay, I yeah. prefer to— So right now I'm going with, oh, no, well, you tell didn't. us the story, Puritan Pete. I mean, <laughs> what's your real name? I All right, here, here's the title. Megachurch Pastor Ed Young Promises to Retire. Fund the tithe if God doesn't open the windows of heaven. Ed Young, uh, Texas mega church pastor, I believe, uh, well known for doing various challenges. Uh, I, I, I and also think the favorite pastor of our good friend John Talley. John, Ta- well, I don't. Know so we have to favorite. tread a little carefully. Here. I've got, I've got feedback from John in a moment, but I, I think Ed, his church did the uh, sex challenge a few years ago. Um, challenge You're okay couple. with saying drunk, but I sex mean, is in uh, the Bible, Chase. Okay, well, um, drunk so drunk, is too. God, drinking God and alcohol. Invi- God invented it, but he and actually the encouragement to occasionally have some wine to chill out, which you may need to do, but not but get drunk. Okay, true. But the encouragement is there for sex, and Ed Young encouraged couples to have sex. I believe every day for sixty days. Sex experiment, seven days to lasting. Let me see what you found. Okay, but anyway, we're not going to talk about that today, although we could. But we're going to talk about Ed's. 90-day challenge. So Ed has put before his mega church that if they weren't uh, tithing, they should begin. And he is issuing the 90-day challenge, which promises churchgoers that if you tithe for 90 days and God doesn't hold true to his promise of blessings, then they will refund 100% of your tithe. So uh, now the— uh, Lump it. Oh, wait. Sorry. <laughs> wow. I was, Let uh, me give the promise here. Right 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 uh, Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. New in the We're going with the New Living Translation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, uh, using that, he, Ed is putting it to the test and saying, try this for 90 days. If God doesn't do, if he doesn't uh, open the windows of heaven, then we will give you your money back, a money-back guarantee. What do you guys think? Well, I guess I can go first. I, I, will, I, will, I will say this. Initially reading the headlines, I thought, well, this is just – a little too sensationalist for me, a little too tithe-focused for me, that sort of thing. I'm not a big fan of 
church gimmicks. I mean, I have a little toleration yep. for them. I, I think things should be interesting. I, I would. I, I hate boring, but I don't. I, I don't think we have to be gimmicky to reach people or be edgy or things like that. Now that said, Malachi three ten has that challenge in there from God. It. He says, test me. So you know, I, I guess what I could say is personally, uh, church I pastor, I don't think uh, I would lead us uh, or, or, or introduce this initiative. Uh, at the same time, it's not like fingernails across the chalkboard to me. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it, but it does uphold that challenge and, you know, eh. Uh, that yeah. that is essentially John's uh, our friend of the show John Talley that is essentially his position this is his text message to me I told him we were talking about this today and he says all Ed Young is doing is saying he believes that verse gutsy call in my opinion his church has the funding to back that challenge up God says test me on it I kind of like the boldness of faith there and how can uh, listeners text you David <laughs> <laughs> I'm just nice kidding. Try, Look, if people can't get a hold of us now with our 14 Facebook pages and our then they're just not trying. The Twitter and did you create more while Chase was doing his intro? I'm sure y'all have created more <laughs> while we sat here. Hang on, just a second. I'm gonna follow some people on Twitter. We had to, <laughs> we had <laughs> this is here. Look, my my thing is, I guess this is the line been ringing in my head all week. It's not his money to give back. Like it's not his money to re- refund. It's if, if 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 you're saying like <laughs> bring the money to the storehouse. The storehouse is the church. Then you know he's saying okay. See he's adding to me a a a uh, what do you call it? He he's he's giving God's test, but then he's adding like a money back guarantee to God's test. God didn't do that. Like nowhere in the Bible does it say hey if I don't do what I, you know test me on it. And if I don't, you can come get your money back. Yeah. I, it's not his money to refund. That's my issue. I just think it's a little bit sensational. I don't have a problem at all with him putting the verse out there. God said, test me on it. So put that out there and and say, look, this is what God says. Test him on it. But I don't even really have a problem with necessarily saying, you know, we, we challenge you to really focus on this over the next 90 days. I, I don't necessarily have a, an issue with that, although, uh, you know, you can make the case, don't put time limits on God like that, you know. Because God doesn't say in here, I'll do it within the first three months. So I, I just have a problem with him going beyond what the Bible says in testing him. He is actually, he is he is expounding on the test me on it by saying, I'll give you money back, do it for 90 days. God's going to show up within that 90 days. It's, it's things the Bible doesn't say, and I think, I think he's adding to it. Well, my question with stuff like this, um, and, and this is kind of my over-analytical look at Scripture, because I'm very wary of people taking Scripture out of context. And so... Um, you know, I remember one of the most kind of examples that still sticks with me is a message you preached, David, where um, people take the Isaiah, here I am, send me. And, you know, they use it as a, as a rallying cry towards victory, where the context in which he is saying that um, shouldn't change people's desire and go to minister. Um, but people preach it in a cheerleader way, and God has warned Isaiah, okay, cool, um, this isn't going to go well for you. X, Y, and Z, undesirable things are going to happen. Um, and Isaiah, to his credit, thank God for that example, says, here I am, send me. And so is this one of those things in Malachi where the kind of the context of that verse is um, informative for all of us, but maybe more um, instructive to the, to the people there? Or is this one of those kind of tenets for all people for all time kind of thing? Uh, yeah. You know, that's, that's one of the things I always – 
that's one of the first questions I ever ask when somebody makes one of these kind of sweeping declarations. So I, I, I want to be clear. I, I think we should put the verse out there. And I, I, I believe, um, I, I actually, you know, I, I believe that, uh, you know, there's a big debate is tithing still, uh, binding for new Testament believers and, and, um, you know, or, or are they grace givers? And, and we could have a big discussion on that one day on the show. I, I think no matter which you look at it, even if you say, well, we're grace givers in the New Testament, I, I don't think the grace of God and, and the, the mercy of Christ on the cross and his sacrifice of his entire life for other people would lead you down a path of thinking, well, I can give less than they gave in the Old Testament or less sure. than they were commanded to do back then. So I am for giving. I, I am for tithing. I believe those things have a biblical foundation to them. I just don't think we need to be making it a, a sensational thing and putting out there, hey, we'll give your money back if God does. I mean, I mean, so, number one, it's not even, I mean, what, okay, what are most people, I don't know how they're teaching this, but most people I imagine, if you just read that headline, are thinking, if God doesn't return to me the, the open up the heavens in financial blessings before, you know, by the end of this nine days, I'm going to get my money back. But he actually doesn't necessarily right there say that the opening up of heaven for blessings is all strictly going to be financial. So what I hear you saying, David, is you are challenging Pastor Ed Young to an Indian strap match in a steel cage to settle this I always, I always thought the Indian strap match was about one of the dumbest professional well, wrestling Chief matches. Chief Wahoo McDaniel would beg to differ. I, I, you weren't even really that tied to each other and. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I will say. Let's go with still that, that one area. This is the one area that I think that you know the Bible urges us to give. Getting back to a slightly serious moment, the Bible urges us to give, and there are many promises in the Bible about those who give. But when we get to the place where we're seeing where we're saying you give to get, when you get to the place where you're saying when you give to get, that's where you get into what I think is some dangerous waters, health and wealth wise. Mm-hmm. Now, I think you say you can say you give to get more, so that you can give more. That's safe. That's uh, I think it's Second Corinthians nine. That's, yeah, that's good stuff. That's more. That's biblical. But giving to get to spend it on yourself, I, I don't. I don't. I don't like that. And I don't hear Pastor Ed Young saying that. No, but it's dangerous waters. You got to be careful. I applaud waters. him as a brother in Christ. I do applaud him for taking things in the Word and challenging people with it, and asking people to live out those truths, and and putting a challenge out to people to live out those truths. I, I actually, I think pastorally, that's a good thing, and I applaud Ed for that. Um, but I don't like the I don't like the way he went about it this time around with the time frame. And like I said, I don't believe it's his money to give back. So. Uh, Regardless of whether church has the, uh, the the finances for that. All right, guys, uh, y'all ready for uh, you ready for this week's game? I am. I am bringing the game this week. So I've got a question for, for yeah, both yeah, of yeah. you because um, how how big of a fan were you? Uh, how much Nintendo did you play back in the day? More so, than I feel comfortable admitting here. All right, how about you? Oh, I might be. How about uh, you, Chase? Were you more of an Atari guy? Debate. You're you're old. Well, They're, I am old. He's probably a Commodore guy. I started out with an Atari, then went to a Commodore 64. Okay. Well spoken. I loved the Atari, uh, Commodore 64, but uh, I had an NES for a while. All right. Well, this week, no Google. The game that we are going, no Google, is uh. No, I'm still looking at um any, interesting book titles that I found from searching for Ed Young earlier. Oh, he's got a line of pastor clothing out. No, he doesn't. Yes, he has a website for uh, pastor clothing. So the NES Why do game... I not have Ed Young pastor clothes? <laughs> yeah, so go so check, many go check it out. Uh, 
NES quotes every gamer should know. The game's very simple. I'm going to give you a quote from a Nintendo Entertainment System game, and you must tell me what the game that quote is well, hang on. originating these clothes. from. <laughs> okay. So we're going to go, uh, let's go uh, three or four rounds That's a nice uh, here, suit. depending how fast it goes. Chase, uh, you guys should Captain, check out this book I put in chat real quick. Captain Crunchy, do I have either one of your attention? I mean, do you? I mean, this Sometimes is like, this show is so heavy metal interesting. This is that like I can barely stand it. This is like I'm preaching on Sunday right now. <laughs> well, uh, you have been talking that long. Who, uh, who who won last week? Chase won last week, so he we're did. gonna. Yeah, he wasn't playing against you, but uh, nevertheless, we'll let Chase go first. Chase, first quote, round number one. Here is the quote. And I I say what game it's from. Yes, you say what. I drink to prepare for a fight tonight. I am very prepared. Oh, wow. What game, what NES game was that from? Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out is correct. Too easy. Uh, Any any idea? Remember the character? Uh, No extra points, but just uh, a lot of... Don Flamenco? Uh, no, Soda Popkinski. Oh, Soda Popkinski. Yes. Wow. Nick, we've got wow. to be, by the way, we got to be uh, precise on these games. Okay, so this one's to you. Oh, it's terrible. The king has been transformed. Please find the magic wand so we can change him back. I'm guessing one of the Zelda games, but I don't know which one. Uh, sorry, it is actually Super Mario Brothers is number it, three. Is it really? Yes, that wow. was uh, okay. Super oh. Mario Brothers number three. So Chase, after... By the way... I th- Fabulous game. So not a lot of people played in the Wizard, huh? Is that the one they used in the Wizard, the movie? I don't know. I never saw. Yes, it was. Uh, Actually, it was first revealed, like it was revealed in the Wizard before it actually came out on Nintendo. That had everybody salivating over. They could that that movie looked like a commercial for that game. Yes, that was essentially what it was. Because the whole. All right, Chase. uh, Round number two. You're up one nothing. It's up to you. The game doesn't start until you say yes. Oh my goodness! It's um, up to you. The game doesn't start until you say yes. Um, hmm. Uh, Contra. Uh, good guess. Good guess. But no, it was actually Rambo. Rambo. Oh, close. Uh, never well, played it. Okay. Rambo. Yes. All I know is Jorgen Klinsmann looks ready for this match right now. See your face upon the clean water. How dirty? Come wash your face, Nick. Dang, this is hard. See your face upon the clean water? How dirty come wash your face? I'm trying to think. Um, that's a that's a well-written Pitfall? Line. I don't know. Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy. Oh uh, see, I've never played Final the Fantasy Final Fantasy, Fantasy series. Uh, yeah. God. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know. Maybe you guys needed to... Uh, did I, you play I, all these games? I did. Wow. I did play these games. I didn't Would play... Would you have gotten any quotes? I would have gotten uh, several of them. Okay. I think I... May have gotten this one. I'm not sure. Chase, you and your friends are dead. Game over. Oh. You're at one nothing. Entering into uh, this is the you third and round. your friends are dead. Game over. I'm going to start doing hints. Please. Uh, ghosts and goblins. Uh, no, um, that is uh, Friday the thirteenth. Oh, alas! Happy day, Friday the thirteenth. We recently had a Friday the thirteenth. We did. Nothing too bad happened. Nick, tell me what Nintendo games you played, and I will try to find a quote from one of those games. <laughs> oh, just keep going. It'll be fun. So that, uh, all right, Chase is up uh, one nothing. All right, let me let me give you this one. Take any one you want. Take any way you want it. Any one you want. I don't remember. Look, the I'll, I'll admit here now that I was not a big dialogue storyline guy. I was more get to the action. So Okay, y'all realize like you've gotten one of these right. 
you both said you were you liked Nintendo. Well, I, I did. Uh, look, and I'm, and I'm admitting the way I played the, the Legend games as well. of Zelda. The but, Legend I mean, of Zelda. Okay. Okay. What games did you guys play? I played Legend of Zelda. You played Legend of Zelda. Which interesting. That, that was quote? like fifty years That's ago, kind of, wasn't we're, it? We're, we're not old quite now. fifty. McConnell. Did you not? Did you not read? No. Well, yes, I've read a lot I of things. I hit the A button to ago. get back to playing the game. <laughs> hey, I know what up, up, I, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, select, start, or B, A, start. <laughs> I know what that's from. All right. The Konomi code. And I didn't have to Konami. Google that. I, I still want that T-shirt. The Konomi code? Yep. T-shirt? I do. All right. Um, How about the princesses in another castle? I know where that's from. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually on here, and I skipped it because I thought, well, that's just... Uh, that's too simple. Clearly not too easy for us. Okay. Um, I, I really I, I really just want to call Mercy Rule here and just say Chase won. <laughs> he, he got the one Mike Tyson. Okay, give me one that's as simple as the one Chase got. Let me see if I can get it right. Okay, Nick, you ready? Thank you, Mario, but our princess <laughs> is in another castle. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. I'm going to throw a cannon. Yes, that is the original one. That is, uh, that is the original. How about Welcome to Warp Zone? Oh, that actually sounds familiar. Um... Um, okay, really? Are you are you pretending? Star Fox. Are you pretending right now? Welcome to Warp Zone. It was Super Mario Brothers. I'm declaring right now that you never actually played Nintendo. Oh yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> when you go through the green pipe, How about I played so when a lot it, of it. Fly so away, fly away. Uh, Icarus, Kid Icarus. Uh, That's a good guess. Good guess, but it was Duck Hunt. Oh, all right. Very very clearly, a chase wins in the in the saddest <laughs> we game. We tied. How? I got the Mario. <laughs> that wasn't a oh, real round. <laughs> Chase won in the saddest game in the history of this show, which is now like hey, if you ten episodes, for, ten episodes, but we're on episode four. Don't ask how. That if y'all would leave some room for Jesus, this would be much better. I think what we need to do next time is to uh, prepare ourselves for the game off air and then dramatize it, but you know, so that that way we look, don't look like morons, which I, we kind of do now. I hope some people actually, you know, write in and say, "Hey, I would have gotten some of those." I hope things. so too. Yeah, you didn't get Warp Zone. I'm sorry. Welcome to Warp Zone. I, 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 I um, I'm drinking too much Diet Mountain Dew. <laughs> That's my problem. All right, Chase wins, and in in in, in a horrendous fact. This is it was like I just watched a World Cup match that went zero hey. zero the entire hey. game, and hands. at the end, at the end, like two guys collided and the ball <laughs> rolled toward zero. the goalie, and the goalie accidentally kicked it in his own goal. I mean, zero that's, zero at the end, settled by penalty kicks. Nobody hits a penalty kick. It's just embarrassing for everybody. This, the, it, that was sad, but Chase wins, so he gets to pick the uh, the uh, first. Okay, uh, I got a segment topic. for us. I'm going to try to pick us up off of the ground. I hope we can. We're going to play another version of Take It or Leave It. This time, how it's going to happen, quitting smoking now, Nick, greatly reduces uh, bad effects to your health. Um, here's how the game's going to go. That was a drink of time. Mountain Dew. smoking that a sin? Horribly That's wrong. probably bad for you, too. Is smoking a sin? Oh, I'm just... We'll talk about that one day. Okay, go ahead. Here's how the game's going to go. Sure I'm going to give you three choices, gentlemen. Uh, in the past, when we've played Take It or Leave It, the problem with the game is, or, or the segment, we don't leave many stories. We just take them all. Oh. But here, I'm going to force you to take one and leave another. Wait, this so, feels here's like how it's going to work. I need to be paying attention. Yes, this is important. All right. Pay attention. I'm going to give you two categories. You have to pick one, reject the other. Okay. And then you get to comment on it. Category number one. Emphysema. 
That's Thanks. a good one, but Sorry. no, not emphysema. <laughs> wow. Asthma. No, not asthma either. Brotherly love or marriage redefined. <laughs> Brotherly love or marriage redefined. Nick, I have a... Uh I have like a, a small voice inside of my head that is saying we should pick brotherly love. <laughs> That's a good choice. Let's go, let's go with brotherly. <laughs> it sounds like a lot like Chase. Okay, so very, uh, very briefly this week on thegospelcoalition.org, Chad Ashby wrote an article with the very provocative title, I'm Southern Baptist. Hold on, real quick, real quick. I just, I have to interject. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting. I'm. I'm throwing a flag on the play. Um, we, Pro- provocative title. Yeah. Let's let's look Grass up provocative real quick. Where we hey, need to, we had a big debate last week about provocative. Ch- this is Chase's favorite word. Means provokes attention. It doesn't always mean sexy. Okay. Provocative, causing annoyance, anger, or another strong reaction, especially deliberately. Arousing sexual desire or interest, especially deliberately. Okay, well, I'm going to read the title, and you tell me if it's provocative or not. Okay. We, we had some Baptist listener feedback this week. That and just... I love a man. Provocative? Oh, yes, Sounds that would be provocative. provocative. I actually, well, it, it, I actually read this is it article. written by a man or a woman? It's, it's written, written by, by a man. man. I actually I'm read this man. article because of that title. Yes, and so, I did go too. Ahead. All, All right, right, go ahead. Here's, we'll here's you, the we'll article. We're going right. to give him this one. And I'm not, I'm not going to go into a, a long summary of it, but basically Mr. Ashby says that he is a married man, he is a heterosexual, but he has a friend who is closer to him than a brother, a, a guy who he has an intimate friendship with that is not sexual in the least. And this is what he says. He says that we in the church have uh, left behind... David and Jonathan type intimate relationships. So, gentlemen, have we in the church left those behind? Do you agree with his premise, as in you take the story, uh, or you like the story, or do you lump it? Are you afraid of these kind of deep relationships among men? Okay, I'm not afraid of the deep relationships. I agree with him. We have left it behind in the sense of we don't use that language. Mm -hmm. Like, I would count... The two guys at this table, probably two of, I'm an only child. I know that's a shock to a lot of people, but (laughs) who know me? (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and mute my microphone for just a minute. Uh, So I I was only child, and uh, so I never had brothers. I grew up wanting siblings. And so the two two guys at this table, I consider to be like brothers to me, uh, like in that sense, as close as brothers. But... You know, I, I think what we've left behind is we don't necessarily talk about those relationships. Um, we don't really talk about those relationships in that way. So I, I think the way that he went about talking about it in the article, we, we don't. I, quite honestly, I think it makes people a little uncomfortable to talk about those relationships that way. Uh, so I, th- I think the sense is we would have those relationships, but just not define them or talk about them in the in the way of quite honestly, I think, how David talked about Jonathan. So you're saying that David's uh, language in talking about Jonathan makes you a little uncomfortable? It, it, uh, look, I don't have an issue with it. It just I'm, – I'm saying we don't do that or say that today. I'm glad I don't have an issue with it because it's scriptural. But we don't, <laughs> talk, we don't talk about it in that way today. I think we are – I think we're in a place where we just – we don't talk about our friendships in that way, and I think it does make us uncomfortable Let me ask you this, about it and let me way. be a little provocative here. Is that ho- evidence of homophobia in us? I mean, real homophobia, not the fake kind of homophobia that 
fake homophobia is when you say, I believe the Bible teaches that homosexual sex is wrong. Uh, that is a truth that's really undebatable. But I'm, I'm saying genuine homophobia, which is a fear of homosexuality. Do you think the fact that you're uncomfortable with uh, David's description of his relationship with Jonathan is that evidence of homophobia in the church? I I don't say that out of a place of homophobia, I feel. Like, in other words, it's not in my mind where I think, man, if I went up to to Nick and really just said, man, I love you, uh, you know, like like a brother. What's David's exact statement? Uh, He says, I love you as my own soul. Okay, so if I, if, like that. if I said that to Nick, it would not, in my fear would not be, oh, Nick would think, you know, I want a relationship with him that is intimate or something like that. I mean, I would not be afraid from a homophobic standpoint. It's simply like, I just, that's not how you talk to a guy. That's, yeah, that's not language to we To me, use. Like, we don't and use so, that language for, to another guy. We don't, uh, you know, I Maybe to our detriment, not necessarily that we don't say it that way, but I, I don't know that as men that we express how much we care for one another as brothers. Maybe we don't say that enough. We, we leave it unsaid. That part of it is probably, I, I, don't, I don't think is good that we leave that unsaid. Probably people are afraid of that from a homophobic place. All right. What do you think, Nick? Yeah. No, I mean, this is, this is wow, golly, man. I've, y'all have been talking about this for five minutes or so, and I'm still... Um, I love it when Chase goes off crazy topic hill. Um, my initial my initial sentiment is kind of like um, David there. Um, there are guys a- in my life that I just I don't have any um, qualms about in- admitting and, and stating deep affection for. Um, you know, in some of the pastoral studies or some of the studies pastors in my past have done, um, there are so many words for love in the Bible that get translated to love in our scripture because their language was so much more rich. And so David's word for love there is a more specific um, word for love than when you, when I would tell my wife, I love her, or even I would tell my children, I love them or my mother. And, and, you know, at this point, stepdad, I love them. And so, you know, if I was David, I would have four or five different words for those four or five different kinds of love. We've got, love. And so in a, in a culture which tries to, to draw these lines, um, putting different people on different sides of issues and, and making them enemies when they don't have, have to be, and it almost, you know, I don't wonder if the culture in which we live doesn't make us more, more sensitive to two guys with the level of, you know, David and I have been friends for, for 10 years. Our wives have taught school together. Our kids have grown up together. You know, he's seen me at um, some of the best times I've had. He's he's helped walk me out of some of the worst. And so to say, hey, bro, I love you, it, that's disingenuous to him and, and the man he's been, the integrity he's shown in our, our relationship, if I'm unwilling to do that. But I think he, I, and anybody who knows us knows it's not like, hey, buddy, you want to go have some drinks, at, you know, and let's get to know each other better. You know, anybody knows that's not the case, but we just, our language is so restrictive that it, you know, it has bad context, but again, or it doesn't have proper context, excuse me. Um, but I think in context, anybody would know what, what that is, but you know, just, I have to admit seeing two random guys say that to one another, um, without any context, I would be like, 
Okay. I think we have What's to probably. I think we have to probably be realistic that there's. You know, I think you said it culturally. Yeah. It, it's such a huge issue today, um, homosexuality. That there, there's probably an ingrain line there that there there are guys who don't want to express that out of a homophobic uh, foundation. Um, and, and I, I think. Uh, Gosh, it, it's such a it, it's such a hairy line. I'll, I'll say this: all three of us believe that the Bible is very clear that homosexual sex is wrong against God's will, uh, and, and there's really no doubt about that. I mean, you, you know, you can uh, Matthew Vines uh, wrote a book about it recently. It's not proved his case. Now, I will say this: not on the other hand, but I will say this uh, similarly. I think there is a sense where men. And since, since I don't know, in the last hundred years, men in the church have lost intimate, deep relationships. Now, did they have it 200 years ago? I don't know. It's hard to say. But just in the last hundred years, you very rarely see men in deep, godly, non-sexual, brotherly-type relationships. And I do kind of think we're called to that in Scripture, and I think... Uh, you know, the homophobia and maybe some other things has possibly led to that. Uh, when I read First Samuel nineteen, I'm sorry, Second Samuel one twenty six, uh, when David said, "Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women." I don't believe David was in the least bit homosexual. I would not express that myself that way about my brothers, but I do want that kind of a deep relationship with other guys, a deep friendship, and I think sometimes we've lost that in the church. I think we should say it is to our detriment that we don't express to fellow brothers in Christ how we feel yeah. like about that affection well, well, look, for each other. There so. is too much of us trying to be an island in, in that that man up philosophy that yes. you just do not, you do not see Scripture articulate from Paul, or excuse me, from David and, and Jonathan to, to Paul, and, and you know the the apostles getting sent out in in groups. You just yeah. and there's some cultural issues here. I'm saying there, there's cultural things that are different today, but I would say that if if our definition and our view of of what quote unquote manhood is and how men interact with one another collides, um in contrast to the biblical picture that we don't get to say that we've we've evolved and and we're more manly than they were uh i think you have to go with the biblical picture hmm. so let's talk about greeting each other with a holy kiss according to romans biblical and by the way that's not a kiss on the lips but no. you still find middle eastern culture men and and women gre- greeting each other with a kiss on the cheek no. Uh, which uh, again, we don't have to not, talk about. Not it. I was cultural just, for I was us. Just kind of kidding. Well, hey, next category, we're gonna have to pick up the pace a little bit, guys. We are lagging that behind. Nice. Here is uh, you can choose between these two things. Category number one, Game of Thrones. Category number two, Mane Mane Tekel You Parson. Which story do you want to talk about? <laughs> I'm gonna go. Um, I, I think he's trying to draw us in on that second one. What do you think? Game I think he is. Game That's of Thrones. I, yeah, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. We're going to regret this. The story you turned down was a 31-year-old Birmingham man who was charged with vandalism of multiple churches by writing uh, the name uh, Mimenusha on the church. That's the story you you turned down. Uh, I was quoting uh, the book of Daniel, where the finger of God wrote on the wall, Uh um, which sounds very similar to me. This week on Desiring God... um, 
uh, one of the uh, writers, I'm glad you brought, Tony Ranke, uh, wrote about should Christians watch the HBO series Game of Thrones? He quotes from your pa- favorite podcast, David, uh, Ask Pastor John, in which John, <laughs> Pastor John Piper hey, says, I can never and I should never watch anything with nudity. There's simulated hmm. violence, but it's not real. And maybe that's maybe simulated violence is not so bad because it's not real. But Piper says, and I'm summing up uh, far too simply, Piper says that any sort of nudity you see in movies or shows is always real nudity. There's no way to simulate that. What about anime? Uh, well, I don't know, but for purposes of Sorry. this discussion, Game of Thrones is a TV show, is a real live person show. Uh, so... Uh, the writer Ranky gives 12 questions to ask. We're not going to go through those. I'm just going to ask you guys. He basically comes to the conclusion that a Christian should not watch the television show Game of Thrones or shows like it. Do you like that or do you lump it? That's going to go to me. Sure. I like uh, it. Oh, look, I have commentary on it. I like it. I actually agree. I, I, I don't think we should watch shows with nudity in it. Nudity? With what? Nudity. Well, I'm also opposed <laughs> to nudity. <laughs> Is that like a an ex? Is that different than old duty? <laughs> I don't know. I do. but speaking it's, of uh, treading in dangerous waters, I think we find ourselves there. So, all right, uh, we're all clearly opposed. I've, to I've heard uh, I, the first time I heard Piper articulate his opinion on this, it it uh, had to really step back a little bit. But essentially, you did a good job. He just says that there are things that you, you know, there are shows with violence you can watch that. Uh, that People are simulating those things. It's not uh, you, you can walk away from it knowing, hey, those people really did not get murdered. I did not actually see a murder. Um, more of a something that was simulated. However, uh, this was uh, this was you know if you see someone who is nude, you are actually seeing them nude. This is not simulated. You're seeing a, a you know a female or a male who uh, you know you're actually seeing who they are naked, and you can't unsee that. Uh, I, I had a personal battle with um, with uh, pornography for about uh, 10 years. So, you know, for me, this is, I really, uh, I, I do not watch any programming that has um, nudity in it. And, and that's, uh, but I, I think personally, I think that's more, I don't think that's just a personal conviction. I, I honestly, I don't believe guys who say they can watch shows with naked women in it and not have a lustful thought or a thought of lust. And, and, you know, I'm sorry if somebody out there, if a, if a guy says, no, 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 I really can't. I just call bull on that each time. I, I don't believe that you can see a female without her clothes on and not lust or have uh, problems uh, with that. And so uh, because of that, I think that, that you should steer away from shows um, that have that in there. Now, I, you know, I, I don't know anything about the Game of Thrones, so you could, somebody could question: Well, should you just should steer away from just those episodes or the whole show together? And that that's probably a you know, uh, you know we could articulate through those answers, but I don't believe you should watch programming with nudity in it. Uh, we we have my wife, you know, every every summer we kind of go through a hey, what's a show we can watch? My wife's a school teacher, and so our lives is on are on a pretty um rigid schedule you know throughout the the year and we don't get as much time for media um with with her having the summers off it it opens up our schedule a little bit more we usually watch a show you know on free nights during the summer and um you know you you can't not read 
whatever on the internet and hear about Game of Thrones. And so she was like, hey, what about that? I've heard it's it's good from different people. And I was like, we can try it. And I don't know that you're going to want to watch it, but we can try it. Um, you know, I, I haven't ever watched any of the episodes, but I've, you know, um, back when the first season was on, apparently um, one of the relationships was very uh, aggressive. With there, there was a married couple, but the relationship was aggressive, and there was a lot of conversation back and forth on, um, I think it was uh, Sci-Fi's website, Blaster, um, about it and things like that. And I just realized, all right, this is going to be a, a interesting show to try to watch or, or not. And, um, you know, the thing, I, I saw this this headline um, this week, and I, I knew what it was going to be about because there wasn't really any question in my, in my mind because, um, you know, yes, there's violence and yes, there's all these things, but but the overt sexuality of the show, which from my understanding is is throughout the majority of episodes and so um was going to be the the topic but you know the thing that this brings up for me is where do you guys draw the line for for you um and you know obviously you know david mentioned the the no nudity um thing and i and i, I jokingly said what about anime but when this topic comes up one of the things i think about a lot is um i'll per- periodically see our new kind of comic book things and um you know we're we have a nerd bent at the table, and um, you and Chase. Since um, you know Marvel's Avengers is out, and um, you know, without being too crass, uh, Black Widow is in that movie for one reason and one reason only, and it's the outfit she's wearing. And if you um, followed any of the kind of the first years or two of the DC New Fifty Two, um, they and they're rebooting the universe. Um, quite a few of their characters had very overt sexuality. Um, you know, Catwoman, they, they took to even maybe a more degree than she had been. Um, some characters that had not been as overtly sexual became more sexual. And so for me, it gives me pause on a lot of different type of media that, um, you know, of consideration before I kind of dive into anything because it just, it puts you on a path to, you know, undesirable at first corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 if i could do this flee from sexual immorality flee from sexual immorality yep. every other sin a person commits is outside the body but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body i i, I don't i just don't believe that you, you you're watching a, a movie a show anything that number one shows nudity in it number two glorifies immorality sexual immorality i i, I don't hmm. believe it fits in the uh, obedience to that verse uh, to engage in that. All right. Good answers, guys. Uh, I, I will say um, I grew up a Spider-Man fan, bought my son a Spider-Man uh, graphic novel. Really, it was a compilation of about, I think, mm, 10 or yeah. 15 comics. The hardback. Uh, uh, yeah. Books, yeah. yeah. Um, looked through it, let him look through it some. He loved it. Mm-hmm. But deep into the story, there was some inappropriately clothed stuff and we just had to throw it away and, and and he hadn't got to that point yet and I hadn't read all the way through it so uh, it was a little heartbreaking but honestly I, I go back to what David said uh, there's no way for a guy I can't speak for women there's no way for a guy uh, to see that kind of thing and it honestly not make him stumble not and, not there's and, just... and, and if I may too when I tell you guys I, st- I had a 10-year battle with pornography it started it started because I had a television in my room as a you know as a kid, and mm-hmm. one weekend they were offering free Cinemax, and 
You mean Skinamax? Skinamax. Yes. And <laughs> it was called, I f- called and Hale's Box day. Office. And I found that and, you know, uh, watched it that weekend, and, and that started. Yeah. That, that started something. It triggered something for me. So uh, I, I, I like his approach. All right. Last one. Uh, you don't actually get a choice here. I'm going well, to call well, you I'll over. Communism. Now, well, you, oh you, I'm going to call you over to my station, and we're going to do the whole watch a video thing. Oh, good times. And then you'll tell our listeners whether you like or love it. So briefly pause the recording. Beak. Beep. And we're back. All right, so the video we just watched, gentlemen, was Elevation Church, pastored by Stephen Furtick. They opened a recent worship service with a was it? Uh, clap it wasn't a clap cups. It wasn't a flash mob? Uh, no, it wasn't. It, it wasn't was a the, cover song? It was the opening uh, of the worship service with uh, a cover of Happy by Farrell. And what were we worshiping? For you, uh, for you folks listening at home, all you got to do is just go to the Googles um, and type in Elevation Church, uh, Happy Farrell, P-H-A. I'm sorry, no, no. Correct E-L-L. yourself. That would be stephenfurtick.com. Yes, but I, I, you can you can Google it and get to stephenfurtick.com. So the question to you, and I think Nick wants to go first. Do you nuke, like that or lump it? Nuke alert, nuke alert. <laughs> so I would the need, sirens. So we did some work on the, the parsonage at Agape yesterday, and I will need the sledgehammer I used for the lump I want to give out. That. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get a drink. So let me get this. Let me get this straight. We can have a human video that's not really a human video. I'm back from the youth group days where we take a reasonably popular Christian song, or a it can kind of be a Christian song because it's not really that bad, and they don't cuss secular song, and then we try to get people saved to it because we make them feel real bad, and then a dude comes in in a white robe in the end, and all is is well. This is the youth group age I come from, and so ultimately, I don't. You know, I have a fondness for human videos. That wasn't even a human video. That was a flash mob. That was an alternative video for Pharrell's Happy. And while I think the joy of the Lord should abound in people and we should be happy, that is straight up a dude who wants to use a culturally relevant thing to make himself seem more culturally relevant so people will think, hey, my church is cool. And it has ultimately nothing to do with pointing glory to God in any 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 respect other than hey let's look culturally cool like um it's the summer and our vision sermons have faded away um and we haven't executed on them so so let's go with what'll be easy and oh at the movies cuz it's summer blockbuster season and uh, it is my church at the movies Hey, David Nick's, is laughing at me. Nick's awake. I, I'm. I'm uh, <laughs> he's in the game. And by the way, by the way, let's do, let's do this. We can't have Rant. um we can't have um, children with special needs disrupting our service, but by God, we can start mm-hmm. it with a with a clap dance with cups. Now, oh, okay. real quickly, you're going to have to explain what you're talking about. I oh, well, gladly. There, our, is, there was our, a hundreds there of listeners. Was, made I just an article, I just peaked the. Uh, there was an article recording. I apologize for anyone's several ears years over. ago. The, the uh, Elevation Church there. There was a, a family that uh, special needs child uh, had uh, one of the issues. Uh, the, they would just uh, spontaneously scream out, and they were on the front row of one of the services and um, were asked to um, go to the back to a room um, that, where they could watch the service but would not be on the front row. You, you mean the back of the church? Where yeah, the back less, of the church where they would – But know, in the uh, sanctuary? Uh, actually, I think it was in a room in the sanctuary with windows where no one could uh. kind of hear them. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, that's exactly the way, way Jesus treated that. children. Uh, yeah, that was a that was a big lump uh, on, on faith today. And I imagine that uh, you know afterwards, you know, I, I don't believe they ever denied that that happened. I actually think that uh, Stephen Furtick said they were giving their uh, his staff sensitivity training was his response to that. But not stopping the practice. So anyway, I will say that uh, that was fun. I will say that. Uh, <laughs> I here's the thing. I was greatly entertained by that. I I liked it. I, I was, did it. I was. It would like if you had just came over. If you had just called me and said, "Hey, David, come watch this." I I would have watched it. I would have liked it because I was extremely entertained by it. It was very entertaining. However, I was not. So in were any, summer blockbusters. I was not in any way pointed toward Christ by that. I, I I'm. I'm gonna sound like a fundy, but uh, I was I was in no way led into worship by that none whatsoever. I mean, there was nothing about if if you just showed me that I would have said that was a Broadway play, Broadway show, something at the AC uh, well not ACMs but the Grammys or whatever. You know, I it, it I would have never guessed like, that was a worship service. It looked like an opening, like a stomp, like. Yeah, stomp light. If the stomp crew was, I loved do what a, they were doing. That, that, that with the cups and stuff, there was extremely talented. I'm no not doubt. against. I'm not against dancing in church. Nope. I'm not against you using your talents. Not at all to glorify God. But there was nothing about that that pointed to Christ. I will play contrarian to myself. So can we? Can, can you we, do that? Of course you can. Nick can. <laughs> no, I'm sure I can. So can we say that what they were trying to do were? were break down the walls and and so just to kind of start the the service out on a light note to bring people in kind of whatever brought them there i'll admit sunday mornings are hectic for my family trying to get my wife and i you know up and ready get three kids out the door plus you know the newborn living with us and you know sunday mornings can get hectic and we're not always happy when we walk in the church and so sure that could serve to just kind of hey come on in lighten the load and then you turn Focus to Jesus is that? I look. I I we'll have to get into it another time, another day. We don't have time okay, today. Sorry. But I, I just I think that um, I I dislike the strategy of a church that says we need to win people over by when they get here, reflecting the culture to them. I I don't believe that's what we're called to do. I, I would agree with that. Very briefly, I'll read First Corinthians two verse one. Paul says, when I come to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God." I am afraid in our culture that we uh, sometimes magnify excellence at the expense of gospel power, and, and too often that makes our faith rest on the wisdom and power and talent and creativity of men, which in and of itself might not be sinful, but it's a dangerous substitute for the power of the gospel and the Holy Spirit working in us. Yeah, let's uh, get some, give us some feedback on that. I think that's uh, I think that's a wider discussion that we can have later because I realize that probably everyone li- listening, we're, we're coming from places that probably do different things as far as sure. worship goes, and and. Uh, uh, I applaud, you know, we, we want to reach people for Christ, and I applaud uh, that, you know, that 
uh, desire and that thought to reach people for Jesus. But let's uh, I think it's a good discussion. If you got some feedback on that, give it. I think they're off. I think they're off base uh, in that in that regard, the, the way they're going about it. But uh, so hit us up to... with that feedback uh, at the Hall of Dogma on Facebook or My Gospel Friends on Twitter. Yes. All right. Who's up next? I think it's Nick. Also, that old-fashioned email in. And oh yes, email. What's email. our email address? I forget. <laughs> the um, gospel, the friends gospel friends at Gmail. Awesome. I actually thought I think you were next with the. Oh, am I next? Yes. Okay. He was the presenter, so he goes in the middle. Game goes middle. All right. Loser yeah. goes last. You just guys just tell me what to do. Uh, several. It's the first time for everything. Yeah, several weeks ago, um, I read an article. Uh, Richard Dawkins, friend of the, the show. Um, this a joke because he really probably isn't a friend of the show. Well, Richard he only Dawkins. gave us a two-star review on iTunes. <laughs> Richard so. Dawkins, known uh, atheist and other professor of Too something. much Jesus talk, not enough science is what his review said. Wow. Well, teach his own, I guess. I guess. All right. Well, Richard Dawkins got in a little hot water over a speech that he gave and essentially just uh, give you the, the, uh, the uh, gist of it. It was this, is that he felt like, and I'm, I'm, I'm not quoting here, I'm, I'm giving a summary. Richard Dawkins was warning parents against um, the danger of fairy tales to their kids. That, that he felt like that parents needed to be careful in um, feeding too much into their children's imagination of fairy tales, whether it be fairy tale stories or things like Santa Claus, because he felt like if parents did too much of that, and consider what Richard Dawkins is concerned about, that if parents spent too much time engaging their children's imagination and 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 moving them into uh, fairy tale thoughts, that it would open up their minds to a place to where they, they may believe things other than what they can just see, and that uh, it would uh, harm their critical thinking and actually maybe open them up to the existence of God, which, of course, he doesn't believe um, is is good, uh, you know, th- th- that someone would be open to the existence of God. He believes critical thinking is what people should be about, and if, the, if they are critical thinkers, then they will reach the conclusion there is no God. So I got me thinking, it was kind of interesting, uh, uh, on uh, Christianity today, uh, um, a lady, Rachel Marie Stone, she wrote an article about this, and uh, we'll try to link it out in the show notes, but essentially she was kind of saying, hey, Dawkins has a reason to be afraid, that imagination in children's good, and so it's good to stretch their imagination and engage that. And so it just got me thinking, you know, what about that? Uh, you know, there's uh, kind of two schools of thought. One is that um, it, it, from a Christian perspective, two schools of thought, one is that it's okay to engage our children. Fairy tales, let them believe in Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, let them believe in the Tooth Fairy and things like that, and, uh, and that that doesn't hinder them coming to God. Then another thought is that, well, you shouldn't do that, that you, you should tell your children right off the bat that um, what is real and what is not real, and, and don't engage them in imaginary things because it could hurt their belief in God later down the, the the idea being if you teach them there's a Santa Claus down the road they find out there's not a Santa Claus then they'll start questioning everything you've taught them including whether or not there is a God because if you've been teaching them there's a God then why isn't he just like Santa Claus so it's just interesting to me here's Dawkins warning parents hey don't engage your children in imaginary things it might open them up to the um, to to the reality or to the uh, to the thought of God and on the other side you've got Christians saying, 
Don't open up your children to too much imagination because it might hinder their belief in God. What do you guys think? What's the what's what's uh, what's some thoughts there? Is it harmful? Is it harmful to engage our children in their imagination and um, fairy tale figures? Like, does that hurt or help their belief in God? We we'll go to Chase first. Okay, um, I have a, an opinion here. <laughs> it's not terribly popular. Um, I'm gonna say it. <laughs> Don't hate me. I'm not an anti-Santa Claus evangelist. By the way, that uh, noise you might hear in the, the background, the Hall, Hall of Dogma, Dogma is being rattled right now. Under siege by Hurricane Andrew or something like that. Um, <laughs> did we just go back to 1992? Yes, we did. The Hall of Dogma has a time machine. It's awesome. Um, All right, Chase, stop talking. <laughs> our family <laughs> Wow. Does not do Santa Claus, or uh, let, let me put it a little more exactly. We tell the kids that Santa Claus is not real. Now we're not militant about it. Boo. We tell them, "Don't talk to other kids about it. You're not Santa evangelists." Can I tell a story? Has and that then, always worked? <laughs> it has not always worked, and that has gotten me in trouble before uh, on more than one occasion. We'll come back to you in just a moment. Um, okay. We t- we have fun with it. They get gifts from, quote, Santa. They know it's not real. We do Christmas. We do uh, all the gifts they, that do not come from Santa. No, they get gifts that are labeled from Santa, wow. uh, as well as gifts that are labeled from Captain America and <laughs> Mom and Dad and stuff like that. I mean, we have fun with it. We, we uh, watch the Santa cartoons and things like that, but they just know it's not real. They know Jesus is real, but Santa isn't real. Uh, now, now, as to why we do that, I, I will point to a, a Reddit post from two years ago where uh, it was posted on Atheism, the, the subreddit Atheism. The, one of the person po- uh, posting, I can't actually say his name, it's got a bad word in it, but uh, just freaking think is pretty close to his name. He posted uh, how it happened to me, in other words, how he came to Atheism, and he posted a picture uh, that says, There is no Santa. Question everything else. And going through this thread, which was very popular on, on the Atheism blog, I'm reading several comments for from several people who say the same thing. Uh, one says, Santa and the Sandman were my first two sources of general skepticism. Another says, my second grade teacher became ridiculously flustered when I decided I didn't believe in Santa, uh, and that, le- that led to other problems. Uh, first d- goes the Tooth Fairy, then the Easter Bunny, then Santa, and then Bye Bye God, says Dancing Host. I... I I don't believe in having uh, – I believe in having a fun Christmas experience, but I don't know how you explain to your kids, hey, you know what? When we talk about God, that's real, but when we talk about Santa, that's not real. Now, that said, I was raised in a household. We did Santa Claus hard. I thought Santa Claus was real until, I don't know, 8, 9, or 10, and it never affected my faith. So that's just – I just don't know how you can explain to your kids, on the one hand, God is real. On the other hand, we were just kidding about Santa. But you do you, – you do uh, – do you seek to squash your children's imaginations of – No, not a bit. We play imaginative games all the time, probably more than most families. So do you think that that – do you think that helps or hurts them? Do you think a child having an active imagination and a belief in what things they can't see – do you think that helps them to you grasp to clarify godly? what kind of imaginative interaction you're you're asking them about? Well, well, Dawkins says God isn't real, just like Santa isn't real. 
I disagree with Dawkins on one of those things. Dawkins seems to be saying that it it you need to keep your children in reality based critic critical thinking. In other words, what they can see or can't see. Um, so what they can see is real. Have critical thinking. Be able to test it scientific scientifically and things like that. Um, does it does it help or hurt a child? Imagine to have an active imagination. Does it help or hurt them? What, when you of, say you guys do imaginative activities, what are you what are you describing? Oh, I mean, we we pretend we're other people. We play games where you know we're uh, tagging each other, or, or but are those based we're the in Avengers reality? wrestling that sort of thing? Okay, so there are uh, the Avengers. I guess is what more what I was getting into is that you do believe in bigger than life or unattainable things. And the re- I guess the reason I'm asking is, and I'll, and I'll kind of jump in for just a second and kick it back to Chase in the form of a question, but um, my son is really big into, he's getting into Star Wars via Legos. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm an old school Star Wars guy and um, Star Wars had the buildable galaxy, the little mini sets with the planets and, and I'd bought a couple and um, they were Legos and they were ships and um, he likes to build and zoom and fight and um, through that he kind of was like, Daddy, what's Star Wars? So we started... Um, he's, they've watched a couple of the Star Wars movies and they've watched some of the Clone Wars and, um, the Star, Star Wars for, if you don't know, um, one of the key things about it is the force that binds together all living things. And there are four sensitive individuals, the Jedi and the Sith. And, um, these two people do battle and they follow the will of the force. And there's a lot of mysticism, mystical about it. And, um, you know, from the, the Santa holiday thing, we, we don't do Santa or Easter Bunny simply for the fact of, um, while those things became a part of those festivals, um, some for very good um, reasons. Uh, St. Nicholas, you know, th- the person of St. Nicholas is, a, is not a bad p- person, um, and I don't think it's a bad example. Um, the Easter Bunny um, being um, involved in Easter is for a much different uh, reason that I'm not uh, comfortable with, with <laughs> pointing my children to at this point as they are 9, 5, and 3. Um uh, but we we just choose not to split the focus of the holidays because the reason we celebrate Christmas is the birth of Christ. And as good as St. Nicholas is, he did what he did because of Christ. And so we we point to his focus for why he did. Um, and, and I have no problem if, if the kids ask us about St. Nicholas diving more into him. But but this myth, mystical, mythical person that Santa Claus, we don't we don't do. Um, same thing with Easter Bunny. Um but again, that's a split focus thing. We, you know, I, I joke with my daughter about the tooth fairy, uh, but I think she knows it's not real as much as I know it's not real, and and we don't hone in on it. Um, oh, and we do the tooth fairy. I mean, yeah. even for our ten year old. Yeah. But, but they know it's not real, right? And, and so they I, still get money. Yeah, and I split a hair there. I understand, and people can can call hypocrisy on that if they want. Um, uh, but but the things that worry me are the Star Wars and the Force because it sounds very much like the Holy Spirit and and charismatic upbringing that I had in, in some of my churches. Um, he also watched Ninjago for a while, which was a, a ninja um, Lego thing, and there was a lot of mysticism in that. I even worry about, um, you know, stuff like Ninja Turtles that he likes, or even some of the shows my daughter likes. And so any of these things that create a, a world or a, a worldview that's contrary to the gospel – I, I just have a strong um, awareness of, and we we try to temper yeah, a lot. And, and, so, and talk about it. I agree with I so agree with that approach. When you mentioned the Avengers, I guess that was my question, is how do you balance um, 
understanding that the Avengers aren't real and, and Thor is a quote unquote God. How do you guys balance that out? And that's not an accusatory question. It's, a, it's an informative it's, question. It's a great question. Our three older kids have watched the Avengers and, and we talk very seriously about it. Uh, you know, Thor is not really a God. It's, right. it's, they, I think they're, I the love the Captain America ones, line, by the way. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The oldest ones know how to balance. Sure. They know what's real and what's not real. You know, at least something as obvious as the Avengers. Right. And we kind of coached them through that. We waited a while until we let them watch Avengers. Um, we let them watch Merlin from time to time, the oldest really? ones. Uh, and magic is not a biblical thing, but we talk through that. And right. magic is an element of Merlin. Um, so I, I want to quote Matt Walsh here. Uh he says, uh, I'm, I'm a fan of Matt Walsh, great writer. He says that Santa doesn't make God's birthday magical. <laughs> God has already made it far better than magical. So if you have parents out there that are doing Santa because they want to make Christmas better or more magical or whatever, I think that's a good thing to remember. We don't have to make it more magical. It's already pretty awesome. Um, it doesn't need myth, mythical things. And he says, do Santa if you want to do Santa, but don't do it for that reason, to make it more magical. I, all right. I, I think that um, I respect the position. And we asked this question on Twitter last week. Um, just, uh, you know, th- does this, does encouraging imagination help or hurt a child's belief in God? I uh, got a couple of feed, uh, some feedback. Uh, Superdad at I am Superdad said that uh, it, it, if parents start making fantasy characters the center of the holidays, then it becomes an issue. Now, I, I happen to agree with that. I actually respect the position. We don't do Santa um, in in the traditional sense, or we don't make him the center of the holiday because we want to keep that focus on Christ. Uh, same thing with the Easter Bunny. We don't do the Easter Bunny because um, we want to keep that day focused on the resurrection of Jesus. It's kind of uh, the thought of uh, we. It's not necessarily these things are bad, but they're going to take away from what is best, and that that best is um, Christ. And, uh, you know, so, you know, and quite honestly, my family, we, we kind of take the same approach that you guys take. My kids know that there, there's no Santa Claus or no Tooth Fairy, but we still play the games. I mean, we still, you know, we, we still do those things. They still put, uh, teeth in a bag under the pillow and, and they'll even tell me, Hey dad, I have a tooth under the pillow. So the Tooth Fairy needs to come tonight. Does the Tooth Fairy have any cash? Because they know (laughs) that I don't usually carry it. And so... You know, it's a game. We've never done the Easter Bunny. My mom still, to this day, believes that uh, we are um, preventing our child children from having a good upbringing because we don't do the Easter Bunny. And I'm like, Mom, you know, let's forget the the fact that I want to center on Christ for a moment. You know, like the belief is that there's like a seven foot bunny that comes in the house and brings baskets. I mean, like if I see a seven foot bunny in my house, he needs to be shot. I like. <laughs> That's just freaky. I don't. Uh, scary. That's a little scary. <laughs> but I, I pause a little. Here's the here, here's 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 the pause. If we say, well, we don't want to do characters. We don't want to do a Santa. We don't want to do Easter Bunny because when our kids grow up and they find out that those things aren't actually real, they may not believe in God. If we do that, then why do we stop at the Easter Bunny and Santa? Why do we not squelch every? Like when our children believe their stuff, pretending as a child, they they think their stuffed animals are real people. Why do we not tell them? Oh, and no, 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 you you know those are just stuffed animals. They're they're dead. If they're if they're really getting into a character like a Superman or like in the Avengers, you know, we need to go overboard to explain. Hey, these aren't real. In in some place, 
there's a thought. I mean, why would we not try to, at every place they're imaginative, always bring them back to reality and say, oh, no, no, you know, these things are not real. Don't, you know, we, we don't want to pretend too much because one, one day you grow up and find those things aren't real and then you might not believe in God. I just don't know that I don't believe that's the turning point on, you know, we, we need to very we need to make sure our kids are always based in reality because otherwise we might we might somehow harm their belief in God later on. I, I, I just don't know that that's a I don't know that that's um, I don't know that that's a concern well, like as, as a sovereignty I, I, guy. As a reform guy, it's I, not. I don't think <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the issue. At the same time, it's just, we were like an hour in before that came up. Today. Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's just difficult to justify. For instance, you don't tell your kids that Captain America is real. I don't, but we still play Captain America. We still throw shields at each, you know, at, at bad guys and stuff like that. I I would he struggle. Was about to say each other. Uh, oh well, I mean, I, I would struggle yeah, so with. A parent who would tell his kids that all of those things are real. I, but I get. Right. I'm having a hard time. I'm struggling right now to think of an example. But I do know having young kids that my kids will run in sometimes from the house and they will tell me some off the wall oddball thing that they they think just happened. You know, uh, you know. And I again, I'm I'm really stretching right now to think of an example. But you know, something uh, something silly that they come in and, and they're like, oh, you know, Dad, this just happened. This, you know. And, and and it was imaginary. I'm saying I don't feel the I don't feel the need to always say now you do know that's not real. You know that that's just your yeah. imagination. I don't feel the need to squelch that. I really I really wish I had an example right now. And I, I don't. But I think I, I know but, what you mean. You know, if you have young kids, those kinds of things happen. I'm just saying I don't always feel the nece- the necessity to do a reality check with them every mm-hmm. time or a gospel check. They're, yeah, I, I don't know that I just feel that necessity to do a reality check every time they're going into a world of imagination. Yeah. Even when they're young, I think it's hard to separate those. I think it's hard to separate reality and fantasy when they're young. And I just don't always feel that need to, to say we've got to do – we've got to make sure you're in reality because I don't ever want you to – you know, when you find out those things aren't real, not believe in God. I, I, I just – I don't know that that's – I don't know that that's a huge uh, concern, uh, you know. Um, some of the feedback that we got uh, as well. We had uh, Casey Epperson at Casey Epperson uh, at underscore Casey Epperson on Twitter says Santa Claus begets religion. Really? Yeah. Interesting. As, I think I I think I kind of know what he's talking about. One of the one of the guys on the uh, Reddit atheism thread says that Santa Claus is the gateway drug to atheism. On the other hand, in other words, once you find out that. Uh, Santa isn't real. Then, okay, then you realize everything. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's two different it's two different sides. Uh, you realize that all uh, such beings are not real. But at Angry Code said we never made a big deal either way to our kids. Santa was no different than Superman or, or the Veggie Tales. Um, oh, that's interesting. So and and, and you know probably again I, I think that's probably the approach that we took is that we just don't make a huge we just don't make a huge deal about it. Um, and, and we spend a lot of time talking about the, the Christmas characters and the Easter characters. And um, I am I am not – I think Chase said you, – you said earlier you're not really militant about this. And, and uh, I'm not either. I think there's plenty of room here for – I know there are plenty of people who love Jesus who do those things and don't see anything wrong with it. I'm the same way. I grew up in a house where – I grew up in a house where we did all of those things. And um, – and you know, when I found out there was no Santa or no Easter Bunny, I did not stop believing in God. But 
Um, again, I don't, I don't know that imagination is the danger. God created us with an imagination, and, and I think that as, as, as young children, we believe things. We, we, we have an imagination of things that are not, not in reality, and I don't, I don't, think, that's, I don't think that's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it has to be dangerous. I think, um, I think it can be. I'm not worried about my son who, who loves Star Wars and his, his older sister enjoys it as well. I'm not worried about them thinking um, they're the force is the way and, and they're going to be Jedi when they grow up. I, you know, we went to um, a theme park this summer and they got to pretend to be Jedi's for you know 20 minutes and and I I'm, I'm not worried about that um, being an alternative you know religion to them to, to the gospel. Um, but part of that is because I'm I'm cognizant of the different distractions in the world and try to train them at the way the Bible tells us to train. Um, but it's something I'm, I'm cautious of. Um, and so I agree with that. Hey, look, I think God is reality and such a reality that he is going to rise. The, the truth of that is going to rise to the top. And, and I, uh, again, I, I, I'm not advocating, I'm not advocating position of lying to your kids about things. No, um, no. I, I am, I am just saying, I don't think the imagination is, is dangerous. Now there's room there for me to be wrong. And, uh, and I, I would welcome someone's feedback uh, on that. It seems like we're Real. all kind of probably in the same pay, in the same place as seems in like. saying, "Hey, you know, we don't want to make the holidays like Christmas and Easter and things. We don't want them to have a focus other than uh, Christ." And yeah. I think that's a pretty good approach. And since we've taken that approach, we've not had we've not walked away from a Christmas or an Easter or anything saying, "Wow, we really felt like that was a downer." Like yeah. Matt Walsh said, "You yeah. don't you don't need that to make it more magical." I agree. All right, Nick, you're up. Yeah. Um, so what? Um, I, I had a couple of different conversations that um, that sparked this question. It's a little bit of a um, background on the gospel friends. Actually, is what's going to end up being. But um, I ride to, to um, work in a in a carpool, and um, two of the guys I work with, we also fellowship with, here at our church with. And one of them was noting, I didn't actually realize you had such and such background until this happened. And, um, that's fascinating because, you know, I've, I've never heard you really talk about it a lot and, you know, it doesn't necessarily come up a lot here. And I know we've talked about the varied backgrounds we have. And so, um, you know, with us being, um, in various degrees of responsibility for, for things at Agape here, kind of what I wanted to do was just ask you guys, Hey, where do you, where do you guys kind of come from, um, church background wise and what's led you, um, to maybe some of the big big picture, let's take a ten thousand foot view of it. But you know, where where have you guys come um, church background wise, and where has it led you to in terms of uh, why you want to do the things you do, church wise or family wise? So I'm going to go ahead and throw it to David first. Uh, you know, I had uh, uh, my upbringing. I grew up, it's very diversified. I have been at any point in my life, um, I have been a member of a Baptist church, a Methodist church, Church of God, Assembly of God, Episcopalian, and now ordained minister and pastor in a uh, Baptist church that probably isn't very Baptist. Uh, very Baptist. So uh, that uh, I've always made the joke, I don't think 
you know, only certain denominations are getting in to heaven. But if that's the case, I've almost got them all covered. Uh, <laughs> I don't know so, that I've actually heard you say that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, I have um, I probably the most influential, I think, uh, in terms of, of growing up was when we began to move into the more Pentecostal churches. That was very during my informative years. And uh, I was uh, I, I was. Um, kind of immersed for for many years in more of the prosperity gospel, and I am not saying that that is. Oh, a, that's interesting. I'm not saying that's a gospel that is. You know, I'm not saying that's what the assemblies of God or Church of God teaches or, or anything like that. It was just, it was a primary teaching in many of the circles that we ran in. Now, and, Creflo uh, Dollar told me personally he did not know, <laughs> so yeah. I, I doubt your wow. story a little Creflo bit. Creflo would not. Uh, yeah, he would not. He would not recognize me today. <laughs> But uh, you know, we we were uh, you know big TBN watchers, and and uh, some of those some of those people influential, you know Kenneth Copeland and uh, Benny Hinn, and some of those people kind of growing up. And um, I, I think that uh, in a lot of the churches that we were in, I think there was Bible teaching, but it seemed like every week there was kind of a primary seeking out of big spiritual events. So there was, uh, you know, the quote-unquote best services seemed to be the services where multiple people were falling out, slain in the spirit, as it was called, and speaking in tongues. And so uh, as I got out of that, um, I really got out of church altogether. And as the Lord later in my life began to convict me, because I would really got away from walking with him in my uh, late teens and early 20s, but as the Lord convicted me and I, I came back, began to have a, a more disciplined approach to church again in my 20s, and we started going uh, actually to the church where I'm uh, the teaching pastor now here at Agape, uh, I really began to, I, I, as I began to pursue Christ in a new way, I kind of swung the pendulum to the other way, to where, quite honestly, I didn't, I just kind of put aside any thought of um, gifts of the Spirit in terms of speaking in tongues and, and those things, because i it was almost like I'd saw it done wrong for so long that yep. it just I kind of swung it the other way and said, I, I, I just don't believe in this at all. And so I think one of the things that I have for me over the past couple of years, and this I'm just giving an example of what you're talking about, I think, but or what you're asking. I think one of the things that I've wrestled with in the last couple of years is trying to say, okay, in all these different denominations I was in with the f- different focuses of their teaching – what was good? What was not good? What was what was right? What was not right? I think one good thing about being in a Pentecostal church is it kind of opened me up to the thoughts of the Holy Spirit and pursuing Him, even though maybe I wasn't in churches that did it um, in an orderly way, the way the Bible tells us to. And at the same time, had I, had I grown up maybe in a more Baptist environment, um, maybe I would have heard of a lot of Bible teaching, but would have never thought as much about pursuing the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I actually think those experiences that I had growing up have helped shape me, you know, theologically today. And I, I don't think I've arrived. I think I still have a lot of questions. Um, and so, but I, I think those those experiences were not hindrances as much as God has used them to help kind of shape my theology um, today. Okay. Well, it's funny. We have kind of a similar background, David. I'm I'm very much a theological and denominational mixed breed kind of guy. Uh, started out, uh, I was baptized initially in first grade in a PCUSA church. Wow. Yeah, so the, the left-leaning uh, liberal uh, Presbyterian Church USA. Um, we went from there to a very solid Bible-believing 
PCA Church, Briarwood Presbyterian, where I sat under a gentleman named Frank Barker for many years. And Frank Barker founded uh, Briarwood, um, a very godly, word-focused man of humility. I learned uh, so much respect for the Word of God through uh, the ministry of Frank Barker. I value that uh, a great deal. From that, my parents had a tendency to skip around church, but we were at uh, we were at Barwood for a long time. After that, went to a Southern Baptist church. Uh, after that, I started ministry 20-something years ago as a youth pastor in a Southern Baptist church, uh, got married, and then spent three years as a youth minister in a Methodist church. Uh, then a- as a... Um, as a church planner with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, and then as a teaching pastor in CMA, yeah, the CMA. Then as a teaching pastor in a non-denominational charismatic leaning church, and now back uh, for almost six and a half years with the uh, good old Baptists. Although you know, and really, I'm a mutt of mutts. Really, here at Agape, wow. I mean, if at our church here too, I think that uh, you know we. Um, have a mix. I mean, I, I think there are people this here is, who have all kinds of it's different amazing. background. Yes, and a back, background in, in different denominations. You know, I, I even, you know, I think it was it was huge for me to go from the Pentecostal church. Uh, my parents had divorced when I was ten, and my mom had remarried a, a, a guy who went Pentecostal churches. This is how we got involved there. Uh, I came to live with my dad as a teenager, and um, when I did that, we weren't—he wasn't in church at all, and so I, I just wasn't in church for several years. I got back into it when I met my wife because she—they went to an Episcopal church. She'd grown up Episcopalian, and you know, she invited me to church. I liked her. I said yes, and we started. <laughs> I started going, uh, but you know, I learned even—you know—even in the Episcopal church, although that probably is not my preferred worship style. I mm-hmm. am more—I uh, I like or enjoy. Um, more charismatic worship, but you know what? There was something about even in the Episcopal Church, there were things about it I wish they had done differently um, in some of their teaching, uh, the, the way they taught the Word. But I really enjoyed the reverent nature of it. I yes, enjoyed right, right. I enjoyed liturgy uh, to a great extent, and I enjoyed that reverence that people had when they came to worship. So I, I think there were things that I learned in even there that have shaped me today. Mm-hmm. And um, I have found there are people who love Jesus in all those different quote-unquote denominations, um, sure. just as there are probably people who, uh, in every denomination, who call themselves Christians who, who really are not. Yeah. Um, but I think God's able to use those things. See, we started out, I I don't remember the denomination I was baptized in. I was seven or eight, um, you know, understood the concept of God and Jesus in so much as you could at that age. Um and, and was baptized. the The church that I remember going to as a kid was a um, was actually where Solid Rock is now. But it was a um, to my the best of my re- recollection, it was it was non denominational. But there there were some more charismatic leanings, but they weren't full on Pentecostal. The church I, I say that I grew up in was full on Pentecostal. It was it was AG and um, Assemblies of God, and it was probably more um, extremes. Not the right word, but they were just they were full on Pentecostal. Um, me and my wife met there and, and got married um, while attending that church, and um, we stayed in um, AG churches for um, the first couple of years of our marriage. Then we ended up at a Church of God church. Um, we've attended a non-denominational church, and um, now we are we are here um, at Agape, which is 
um, a unique <laughs> I understand that it's covered by the Southern Baptist Convention but um, to call it Baptist would not be um, a fair statement unless but. you're listening from the convention <laughs> in which case we are very we much are Baptist very Mr. Moeller Baptist you rock let wow, us you, know if you're coming for a visit you guys got about defensive a, real quick about a week in advance um, well, the Baptist too. Pope is no man to be <laughs> messed with. I've been on the wrong <laughs> side of his desk far too many times. Y'all are killing me. What, but what's interesting is is all the churches I have gone to, um, you know, when, when I went to the AG church, you you knew they were an AG from the sign, but they weren't what you may traditionally expect to be an AG church. When I went to the Church of God church, um, they were not, you know, uh, the church I went to was, it was a larger church and periodically um, the Church of God would rent um, our building for a week during the summer for their camp meeting. And I remember when the Church of God people would come in, we realized we were at the wrong place at the wrong time that week. Um, we still had were able to have youth group because they were using the sanctuary, but they looked drastically different than us, and um, just in their kind of clothing and appearance and things. But when we went and visited a, church, a God church, me and my wife were like, this, this is not what we remember. And so it's like every church I've been to has not been the – you know, kind of outline or, or prototypical version of that denomination. So I yeah. kind of, kind of like, I don't know what you people are supposed to be like. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. So, um, but another kind of question I had, and we were kind of going along one time, but um, was just how that affects. Um, and you spoke a little bit about your families, and so we'll get into that um, another week. I just kind of. Yeah. You know where we come from, and, and and how that affects us now. And I will so say I, one one. Oh, go ahead. Okay. No, no. I was going to say one interesting thing about us is my my oldest daughter was actually baptized as an infant in the Episcopal Episcopal Church. I did not church. know that. Yeah, because that was how they. That was the tradition of the church. You know, is that whoa. you you baptize as an infant. Whoa, hey, that's yeah, whoa. infant baptism. Pa- pause the recording. We got to do so. Deal with wow. and, and so, um, you know, and and it was interesting because later. Now, I had the thought even at even when she was being baptized, I had the thought that when she was older, that um, that I would explain to her that this was something. This was a mm. choice that I had made on her behalf, and that. Um, and, and that I wanted her to make that decision on her right. own when she got older, which is something that I, um, you know, in other words, I never really followed necessarily with that ideal of teaching of in the Episcopalian Church that that was, uh, you know, you were baptized an infant and then confirmed later. I think the Presbyterians do that as well. Uh, we call your type pedo Baptist. Pedo Baptist. Oh However, uh, I probably, in retrospect, now if day if. 35-year-old David could go back to 25-year-old, 23-year-old David, um, I would probably, I wouldn't do it that way um, again. I think I think I almost took the view back then of, ah, you know, this doesn't, you know, we'll just let this happen and she can get baptized again later on. I, I think I would have a different view of it today. Um, and by the way, she did get baptized again when she was older on her own, on her own decision. And that's usually how I counsel people who were baptized as infants. Is I was also baptized as an infant. And then hey. later dunked as a believer. We call you. <laughs> yeah. We call you a. No, I'm just kidding. I've just got all my bases covered, man. <laughs> just, just in case. So, hey, the question, the question uh, Nick was going to ask, I think, is a very interesting one. How has uh, our um, upbringing uh, affected our theology? Yep. Which, which is uh, something that springs to my mind when you talk about you know being so many churches as we all have in denominations. And by the way, I think the future is going to have a lot more of that. You're not going to have people in the future. Cle- 
cleaving to denominations like we've had 20 years ago. That's there, There's going to be less and less of that, and I'm sure denominational leaders hearing that sort of thing are not happy with it, but I believe that's a demograph, demographical reality. But I'll say this, moving around from church to church has not caused me to be spongy in theology. It's actually caused me to really want to get in the Word and find out what the Word really says uh, and not necessarily <laughs> just take you know what the dom- denomination mm-hmm. says it is. And I, yep. I graduated from seminary. My seminary was a cessationist uh, seminary that was dispensationalist, and I'm neither a cessationist nor a dispensationalist, but I appreciate those two views. Um, but but going around from denomination to denomination, which you know my parents led early on, it kind of forces you to really get in the Bible and say, hey, why do we do what we do? Right. Why do we believe what we believe? And uh, far from making you wishy-washy, I think it can make you uh, really pursue biblical theology. You know, one interesting thing I'll say, like you, you can go to the Episcopal Church. I could I could go there and say, okay, the teaching. You know, in the Episcopal Church, if the priest was not there for a Sunday, um, you couldn't do communion. There was no there you, you couldn't because the priest had to be there in order to minister administer communion to people. And so I could look at that and say, okay, look, that's that's bad theology. But you know, you go to the Baptist church and the Baptist church in so many Baptist churches, all the baptisms are done by the pastor and communion is only served by deacons. And and that's not how we do things here. Um, you know, but that is how a lot of places do. And, and we've, we've kind of ministered to people before and said, hey, look, if you, you lead somebody to Christ, you baptize them. Or mm-hmm. your dad, you baptize your kids. And, and I've had people kind of say, wait, really? You, like, that's a, an odd concept that the pastor is not the one who does all of those things. So I think even though I, I think some of those things that I would say, Hey, that's not really biblical. That's that's not right. biblical. That that a it's tradition. Yeah, it's more tradition. I think those things are in every denomination, and maybe oh, they're absolutely. maybe they're present or are more easily visible in one denomination over another. But I think it's it's really interesting to take a step back and say, okay, what is tradition, and what is not tradition? Mm-hmm. What is what is tradition, and what is scriptural? And you know, let let's let's definitely hold to those things that are scriptural. Let's not worry as much about those things that are tradition. And uh, I think that's, that's in every denomination. That's good. I, you know, I, I do worry. Um, I worry about my kids having consistency. Um, but I, I, I feel that that's my responsibility, not necessarily even, even you know, the, the primary teachers of the church we go to. Um, though I am, you know, if we were to ever find a different church, I would be very cognizant of that before we did so the kind of teaching they would sit under. But I, I have worried in the past, um, and, you know, we jokingly, um, you know, I'm the Armenian of the group and um, you guys being Reformed, but, I, you know, the potential for what you called sponginess it has um, made me worried in the past. It has for me as well, as Chase mentioned, um, made me know what I believe and why. Um, and I definitely think it can be that, but I do worry about the flip side of that coin. But, um, in God's grace, that hasn't that hasn't been an issue. So, uh, like I said this week, I don't think you're really an Arminian. I think you're more we, you're okay. evolving we're not, we're into a Spurgeonite Calvin. We are definitely not having that conversation today. So, um, we'll go ahead and kick it. I just over think to, you like calling yourself an Arminian because you think they're cool. Oh my gosh! It, look, if I wanted to be cool, I would be a reformed guy because that reformed is the cool trend in Christianity right now. Definitely so. join the cool you kids. Know, reform, uh, cool trend. 
scriptural, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Ar- Arminius was off his rocker. He had no idea what he was talking about. The funny thing about That's Arminius is, is he's much more Calvinistic than the vast majority of non-Calvinists. Well, yeah, sure, but, he but a lot of Calvinists I know are are more reformed than John Calvin was. Arminius actually, recommend, Arminius actually recommended Calvin's uh, commentaries to people as some of the better commentaries on the Bible. Well, he gave them like a four-and-a-half-star review on the Amazon <laughs> Kindle store, so <laughs> he he's a fan. He did. Funny. All right, David. Uh, how are we doing think, on time, guys? I think this is you. No, I'm, We're like at 95 minutes. Or, well, what or I know so, is that 96. the World Cup match has started, and we are down one to nothing. Which is? Are you kidding me? No, wow. Dude, it I wasn't have, even Ronaldo that scored. I have been into I have been into um, the World Cup this year. Unlike uh, like Are you I've serious? never yeah, like I haven't been before. I mean, I, I've really I have really enjoyed the games, and um, I, I've I've watched I've I've never you know if you listen to an earlier episode, see I come off as the anti soccer guy. Even my wife <laughs> asked me about this this week. She said, "Don't." She said, "Why are you watching all these soccer games when you always rant about soccer?" Oh, that's funny. I said, "I don't always rant about soccer. I rant about people giving their life over to little league soccer. I actually like this. This is entertaining." And she said, "Well, you know, they have to play little league in order to ever one day be able to do this." <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've really gotten into it. I've watched, and I've been watching games like. Um, the Ivory Coast versus whoever they played, Costa Rica or Colombia or somebody, and Greece versus Japan, and that was kind of a boring game because it was. I think it ended in a tie, zero zero. I've watched some of the games that have. I've watched both um, that have been pretty exciting and, and nerve wracking. The U.S. game because I have a quote unquote dog in that hunt. It's been the ESPN. The ESPN app um, has allowed me to watch a lot more. Um, has, has allowed me to watch a lot more games than than i typically do so uh, i actually think uh, the, the, there's a ton of people watching soccer the the tv ratings have been out of this world but the uh you know the app with the app and things like that people are tearing up watching soccer yeah i i i have been surprised about how quickly i have gotten into it this year well look right now we are uh, this is not going to be the U.S.'s best game. They are at about thirty percent possession, and it's uh, one nothing Portugal. So Scary. here's hoping. Look, I believe we can win. Hashtag wait. Hashtag I believe we can win. But um, they're going to have to get it together for that to happen. So, well, gentlemen, I think that gets us to the end of uh, the show. Because I, I don't know about you, I want to go watch some soccer. Yes, go Portugal. Whoa, what, oh, dude? Really, oh, you commie Nazis? Wow. We don't root for Portugal on this show. Wow. Wait, aren't we the commies because we like soccer? Isn't that the way that's supposed to work? No, I don't buy into that. I don't Roll care. Tide and go USA. I like, I like to be for winners. USA, you, uh, wow. Send wow. your feedback. And we're losing. It's 0-1. Say, so um, where's your FSU shirt? Mm. Sing. Mm, yeah. I, I like to be for winners and Auburn. Wait. <laughs> That was bad. <laughs> yep, that's a good place to close. Nick, close us out quick before we correct. No us. way! Look, all the one on the, the most winning is mute, mute. All right.
All right, the recording's live, so we can start anytime. Okay. <laughs> Not with you doing that, though. <coughs> <I'm> getting ready. <coughs> Welcome in to episode four of the Gospel Friends. I'm David. And uh, apparently I'm the only one here today. <laughs> well, I'm here, Solo but show. usually I, I introduce myself. I, there. Honestly, I was thinking, is it really episode four? But Captain, yes. uh, Captain Country got... Captain Country. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Crunchy hey, got hit. Way, Country Boy Emmanuel today. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Crunchy got hit by a case of ADD. And he remembered mm-hmm. the uh, Vermont joke. I really was trying to think if we really had the right episode number. Okay, I'm, I think I'm ready now. All right. You realize that all that whole thing is going to the end. Of the I was show. fine to keep going, but uh, it was too long of a pregnant pause. Okay, uh, ready. Mind your pregnant pauses, David. That was really it was my pregnant pause. I know, but I just usually I they're could. longer in the last trimester. The pauses. <laughs> hey, yo. Kit Carter. All right. Okay, ready. Yep. Did you restart the timer? Oh, crap. <laughs> never started it. <laughs> he never did. No, no, I started it. No. Okay, go. It should be close to down at five. All right, ready? Welcome in to episode four of The Gospel Friends. I'm David. I'm Chase. I'm Nick. And now I'll do the... <laughs> this is awesome. All right, we, we, we probably oh my start gosh. again. All I right, think you got contact info. Yeah, I Nick. do. I realized okay. that, like... All right. All right, let's do it. I'm still doing sound checks, though. Did you restart the timer again? Yeah. Woo! You did not. I watched you. You didn't restart it. Liar. Shut up. Liars go to hell. Hey, hey. I mean, yeah, I did now. Okay. Judge not, Ready. sir. <laughs> Judge not. Three, Revelation. two, one. <laughs>